0: The reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9. to 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, though is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, The salvation of your souls. The word of the Lord.
1: Please stand. The Lord be with you. you. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. the gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord
2: Jesus Christ. So we remain standing, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, by your spirit, may the truth of your resurrection be made real to us, that the reality that Jesus is risen, the tomb is empty, would form in us living hope. To your glory alone, we pray, Amen. Would you be seated, please? We are born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. We are born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. We are born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. But just where, where is that hope? For centuries, the West has been animated by the hope that through human ingenuity, scientific advancement, social transformation, the putting aside of religious superstition, That we would move as a human race toward a future of greater safety, prosperity, and freedom than ever before. A hope that every subsequent generation would inherit a world that was better than the last. Do we still have that hope? On the heels of the worst pandemic in a century... The promise of more to come, geopolitical tension across the globe, war tearing apart nations, threat of nuclear holocaust, economic disparity widening, financial uncertainty broiling, the Me Too and Black Lives Matters movement exposing deep injustice, a planet on the precipice of climate catastrophe, does this generation believe that they are inheriting a better world? Where? Where is hope? We have a generation racked with anxiety and depression. Studies are showing that young adults are far less likely to marry, to have children, to vote than previous generations, betraying hopelessness. Contemporary film and TV, with few exceptions, paint a dystopian picture of our future. There is a scarcity of hope. We are born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. We are invited this day, this Easter, to receive hope. For he has caused us, writes Peter, to be born again into a living hope. He has caused us to be born again. Hang on, hang on. I want nothing to do with that born-again stuff. Those are those overly emotional types, the, those with the fundamentalist mindset. I, I want nothing to do with that. Well, yes, a certain kind of Christian has claimed such an identity for themselves, but the Bible knows nothing but born-again Christians. To be a Christian is to be born again. Every single one of us here began as a seed, a single cell. Loaded into that cell was everything that was needed to make you, you. Your life, your very nature is the unfolding of the genetic material that was found in that seed, that single cell. From the moment you lay a hold of Jesus by faith, we are born again. And this is not the turning over of a new leaf by moral transformation. This is God planting within us a seed of a new humanity. Planting a new power, a new identity, right at the very root of our hearts. And a new you begins to grow inside. Forming in you new loves, new desires, new ambitions, new hopes, changing you organically, incrementally all the way through your life. And this is a gift, a gift of grace, received by faith. He has caused us to be born again into a living hope. The central driver of that new humanity is this hope. Hope being what we believe about our future. And in English, hope has a sense of wishful thinking. I hope we're going to be able to do that thing this summer. I hope I'm going to get into that school. I hope that my team will win the championship. In English, hope has nothing more than simply wishful thinking. Biblically, however, to have hope is to have absolute certainty. I am absolutely certain about my future. We are born again into a living hope, into an absolute certainty about our future. A hope that shapes how we live. A future that impacts our present. And what is that future that we can be absolutely certain of? But Peter continues, verse 4. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Oh, okay. I, I know what this hope is. Uh, the hope of Easter is that there's life after death. An eternal, heavenly, spiritual, ethereal existence. What will that be like? Well, we don't really know. We wonder who might be there. And we wonder if our pets might be there. And we wonder, will I be able to do the things I like to do now because sitting on a cloud, playing a harp, eating Philadelphia cream cheese doesn't seem all that appealing. Now, how does that future impact how I live? Now, well, many followers of Jesus are taught in light of this hope. You better make sure that you don't do anything to disqualify yourselves from that future. And so, you got to live faithful lives of following Jesus. You got to follow the Christian rules. And once we do that, we got that covered. What do we do next? We don't rightly know. But here in the West, the secular worldview that informs everyone else around us usually fills in the gaps. Secular meaning lifespan. It's the belief that this lifespan is all that there is, and so I've got to fill this lifespan with as many beautiful things, experiences, and pleasures as I possibly can, because if my future is spiritual and ethereal, then I've got to make the most of this earthly and material. Now, let's be honest with ourselves for a moment. Isn't that what most of us are pursuing? A nice little middle-class lifestyle with the heavenly reality, the cherry on top? We don't look all that different from our neighbors because outside of following a few different Christian rules, our future hope hasn't got a whole lot of connection to how we're living now, Right? Because our hope is heavenly, spiritual, ethereal. Is that what Peter means? By born again into a living hope? An inheritance kept in heaven for us? Not at all. Not at all. He says, verse 5, this inheritance kept in heaven for you will be revealed in the last time. He says, verse 7, this inheritance kept in heaven for you will be revealed when Jesus is revealed. Meaning the inheritance kept in heaven will be revealed in the future, at the last, when Jesus returns. Perhaps we can consider it this way. Let's say your great aunt Gertrude dies. She leaves you all of her earthly possessions but you cannot receive it yet. They're all locked away. They're kept safe in a storage facility in Vaughan. Her will was very specific. On January the 1st of 2033, the lawyer will hand you a key. You can drive up to that storage facility in Vaughan and find the lock that matches the key, open it up, lift up the door, and behold, experience, receive, enjoy your inheritance. Similarly, your inheritance as a born-again child of God is kept safe in heaven. And when the day of the Lord arrives, the appointed time for Jesus' return, he's going to bring that inheritance along with him as the dead in Christ rise. And what is that inheritance? It is revealed throughout Scripture. Not heavenly, spiritual, ethereal, but earthly. Earthly. Material, you can see it, you can smell it, you can taste it, you can touch it. It is a future of no more sorrow and pain as all tears are wiped away from every eye. It is the cessation of violence as lion and lamb lie down together and eat. It is the coming together of every tongue and tribe and nation no longer will hatred and fear divide us. It is the healing of every disease, the mending of every wound, the restoring of every relationship, the lifting up of the poor and the broken, an earth ravaged, glistening with the beauty of its creator, and so, so, so much more. This is what Peter means by an inheritance that is imperishable. Decay and rust cannot touch it. This is what Peter means by an inheritance that is undefiled. Sin, pride, envy cannot mar it. This is what Peter means by an inheritance which is unfading. Its beauty will never lose its luster. It is new every morning. Not only is that inheritance kept safe for us in heaven, we, says Peter, are being kept for that future. We need to lay down the fear that we're going to do something to disqualify ourselves from that future. For that future is a gift of grace. We didn't do anything to earn it, and so we can't do anything to lose it. Lay down the fear. Receive the gift of grace. We have been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. A hope that shapes how we live. And how then shall we live? In verse 6, Peter says, In this, in this future, you rejoice. He says, locate your joy there. And where we locate our joy, we pursue it. Right? When a hobby gives us joy, we carve out time for it. When a relationship gives us joy, we invest in it. When a place gives us joy, we return to it over and over again. Where we locate our joy, we orient our lives around it. Peter says, locate your joy in that future and orient your lives around it. Even though, says Peter, in the present, you will experience various sorrows. Peter is saying that this living hope in us will bring about a mixture of grief and joy at the same time. Now that's unheard of in human experience, isn't it? We'll have joy when our circumstances are as we would desire them. We'll have sorrow when our circumstances are not as we would desire them. But never joy and sorrow at the same time. Peter says this new birth into a living hope will produce in you a grief and a sorrow at the same time. Now I don't think this is a function of a yes but. Yes, life sucks right now, but there's the glory of new creation. Yes, I'm lame now, but in glory I'll leap like a deer. Yes, I'm grieving that this person is not with me anymore, but in glory I'll see them resurrected. Yes, I'm broken now, but in glory I will be mended. This mixture of grief and sorrow is not a yes but. I think what Peter is saying is that this living hope in us will make us more sorrowful and more joyful at the same time the more joy in that future we experience, the more our sorrow will increase. The more we see by faith what the world should look like, will look like when Jesus returns, the more we will sorrow with the way the world is now. The more I long for every tongue and tribe and nation to come together as one, the more I will grieve racial injustice. The more I long To be seated at that heavenly feast where all will feast in glory, the more I will grieve hunger and economic disparity. The more you long for the beauty of new creation, the more you will grieve how we've ravaged our planet to greedily fuel our insatiable consumption. The more we long to be remade with the joy, love, and compassion of Jesus, the more we will sorrow when we see pride and envy and greed in our heart. The deepening of joy and sorrows, says Peter, will produce something in us. It'll produce the fruit of genuine faith, which will result in praise, in glory, in honor, when Jesus is revealed. It is an absolutely stunning verse. Because all of the commentators, regardless of their theological stripe, will say what Peter is saying, that when Jesus returns and sees the fruit of living hope, he will praise us, glorify us, honor us. It's absolutely stunning. It bowled me over this week. And then something clicked. And I began to thumb through my Bible to Matthew 25. It's Jesus' teaching on the last day when he comes in judgment to wipe away everything that's wrong with the world and bring the fullness of that inheritance, that new creation. And all of humanity will stand before him. And upon some he will pour out praise and honor and glory. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And what will be the determining factor of that praise? You fed the hungry, you clothed the naked, you visited the sick and the captives. I remember growing up in the church, no one really knowing what to do with Matthew 25. Because it seemed to undermine everything we believed in. I thought we were saved by grace through faith. And this passage seems to say that we're saved by good works. And so because it didn't fit the theological system, we we set it aside. But this teaching is expressing the natural fruit of being born again into a living hope. A hope that deepens our joy and our sorrow at the same time. Again, as we sorrow, where there is hunger and economic disparity, for the joy of the kingdom will be a feast for all. We sorrow where there is bondage, for the joy of the kingdom will be freedom from everything that enslaves us. We sorrow for divisions between peoples, for the kingdom is the joy of every tongue and tribe and nation coming before Jesus. We sorrow where there is disease, for the joy of the kingdom will be healing. We sorrow for every sin we encounter for the joy of the kingdom will be being freed from all that mars us. That deep sorrow and that deep joy bubbles over into action. Captives freed, hungry fed, sick ministered to, divisions healed, sin repented of. This is not the hope of a nice little middle class life with a heavenly cherry on top. This is an entirely new way of living. For we are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of new creation in this world. Born again into a living hope, possessing deep joy and deep sorrow at the same time, which will impact what we do with our money, where we work, how we work, what clothes we'll buy, not buy, which companies we'll support, not support, what habits we'll invest in, what habits we'll let go of. This is why we must insist that Jesus physically, materially rose from the dead. For our future is earthly and material. This is why we must insist that the tomb is empty. For it is Jesus' physical reality that was recreated to his resurrection reality, as it will be for us. What we do now that is consistent with that new creation will be the building blocks of that new creation. What we do now in anticipation of that new creation will remain, will last. For it is the fruit of that new humanity, that new creation, that has been planted within us. In his book, For All God's Worth, True Worship and the Calling of the Church, N.T. Wright writes this. The message of the resurrection is that the world matters. That the injustices and pains of this present world must now be addressed with the news that healing, justice, and love have won. If Jesus is truly risen from the dead, Christianity becomes good news for the whole world. Easter means that a world where injustice, violence, and degradation are endemic, God is not prepared to tolerate such things. And we will work and plan with all the energy of God to implement the victory of Jesus over them all. Take Easter away, and Karl Marx was probably right to say Christianity is ignoring the problems of the material world. Take Easter away, and Freud was probably right to say Christianity is wish fulfillment. Take Easter away, and Nietzsche was probably right to say that it was for wimps. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. The tomb is empty. It is the dawn of a new creation. And that seed of new creation has been planted within us. And so by the power of the Spirit, let us bear fruit in keeping with that new creation that we may hear his loving words spoken over us at the last. Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. For we are born again into a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus. We are born again into a living hope. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We must mess that up a little. Let's try that again. Hallelujah. <laughs> Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Well done.
0: <laughs> You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.